Welcome to Your Gal Friday, a podcast about female leaders, innovators, and rule breakers. Each week, your hosts, Leah and Phoebe, will shine a spotlight on an amazing gal and talk about what we can all learn from her. Brought to you by Gal's Guide to the Galaxy. Welcome to Your Gal Friday. I am Dr. Leah Leach. And I'm Phoebe Freer. Today we are talking about a gal who is a mathematician, a hidden figure, and the first black female engineer at NASA. Her later work at Langley, she highlighted and created opportunities for more women at NASA. Today we're talking about the life and legacy of your gal, Mary Jackson. Yay! So just like Dorothy Vaughn and Katherine Johnson, I knew about Mary Jackson because of the movie Hidden Figures. Um, if you haven't seen the movie, again, we highly recommend it. Um, it really it's just fantastic. sucks you in, yeah. And the actresses, like, now that we've covered all three, I can really say now that the actresses did a really phenomenal job of capturing the spirit of all three of these ladies, and it it just, like, you can really see their personality show, and I it's just, even if you've listened to our podcast, it's a really cool, it's a really great movie. Absolutely. They really did capture the the nuances. You could tell they did their research and wanted to get the characters right. And I appreciated that. Definitely. Mm -hmm. You can tell the actresses did research. Yes. Oh, I love it. So I'm I'm with you. Uh, I had seen the movie. Um, I had also read the book by Margot Lee Shatterley. Um, now, I, I knew that Mary was the first black female aerospace engineer. All right. And if you right. Google the first black engineer, it has Mary Jackson's picture as the first uh, as the first item that comes up with. Right. Now, however, Google is not always right. Uh, sometimes you need to check some dates and do this thing called math, <laughs> which is ironic because right. we're talking about Mary Jackson. Uh, now, Mary right. Jackson became an engineer in 1958. George Biddle Kelly became a civil engineer in 1908. Now, that math is easy. <laughs> Right. That would mean that he would be earlier. Uh, and he was in New York and he actually worked on the barge canal in New York. But I can actually go back even further for black engineers. And this one is a whopper of a story. In 1872, Elijah McCoy filed his first patent. This would be the first of 57 mechanical engineering patents. Now, Eliza, he invented a device that kept machine parts oiled. So it worked really, really well. And other people tried to duplicate it. However, when inspectors would visit, they would ask if they were using the real McCoy. That's right. That is where that phrase, the real McCoy, comes from. It comes from Elijah McCoy, a son of (laughs) runaway slaves that got a mechanical engineering degree in Scotland at the age of 15. That's where the phrase, the real McCoy, comes from. Asking if something is the genuine article, right? I love stories like this. I can't help it. That's really cool. So those were gentlemen, of course, right? Mm -hmm. When I take race out of the equation and I look at the first female engineers, it is trickier because some women got a degree in the engineering field, but they struggled to find employment. So really, Mm -hmm. not becoming an engineer and doing the work. Now, others couldn't even get an education 
but did the work as an engineer. So it's complicated. The first that I can find uh, of a female engineer is Emily Warren Roebling. In 1872, it's a very complicated story as well, but the short version is her husband was the chief engineer of the Brooklyn Bridge, and he got sick, and she took over for 11 years. (laughs) Wow. So research tries to stress that she was the liaison to her husband, and he was still the chief engineer, but some concluded she took over the job. I mean, 11 years, for crying out loud. Uh, She was also the very first to cross the bridge upon its completion as well. (laughs) So... Uh, so that is, you know, going as far into 1968, uh, we're talking 10 years after Mary Jackson became an engineer, there was only five women in the entire United States that received a degree in engineering. So I knew before coming into this episode how monumental it was for Mary to become the first black engineer. So that's why I, I love wow. Mary's, you know... <laughs> accomplishments that and you know my dad's an engineer so a little a little engineer pride right there (laughs) totally you're a little biased but it's okay but i want to know even more i want to know all the good things should we get into it should we dig into it absolutely yes definitely okay then phoebe when and where did she grow up well mary jackson was born as mary winston on april 9th 1921 Her father was Frank C. Winston, and her mother was Ella Scott. She grew up in Hampton, Virginia, where she graduated from the all-black training school George P. Phoenix. She graduated with the highest honors after serving as the president of the school's first National Honor Society chapter during her senior year. Mary enrolled at Hampton's Institute to pursue university studies in physical sciences And mathematics. These are two very, very tough subjects, uh, and she excelled at very greatly. Most other females enrolled in nursing or economics, but Mary didn't. She joined the Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority, just, just like our other ladies, and she graduated in 1942 with a bachelor's in both mathematics and physical sciences. Wow. Yeah. Mary then enrolled at the University of Virginia's Hampton Center to continue her education. She also started a master's in public administration program at the Golden Gate University. In 1942, Mary taught math for one year at a black high school in Maryland. Mm -hmm. She came back to Hampton to take care of her father because he was sick. Um, She couldn't teach at Hampton because two of her sisters were employed there as teachers and there was nepotism laws then. Uh, So she got a job as a secretary and a bookkeeper at King Street USO. So the USO stands for the United Service Organization, and it's a charitable organization that is chartered by Congress, and it offers programs and services to our service members, the military and civilian alike. So the USO clubs are found on most military bases, including the one in Hampton on Langley's Air Force Base. Um, But Mary didn't just stick to balancing and organizing financial accounts. She ran the front desk. Mary helped many service members find places to live. She organized the dances, the rallies, and the local Girl Scout troop. She was known as the gal who got things done with wonderful energy. That (laughs) is my kind of gal for sure. I would like to be known as that someday. (laughs) 
Her sharing is caring spirit was admired by Levi Jackson, and after a fine romance, they did marry in 1944. When the war ended, King Street USO was closed, and Mary looked for a new job. She worked as a bookkeeper for the Hampton for the Hampton Institute Health Service, but she left when her son Levi Jr. was born. So when her son turned four, she applied for two jobs at Langley. One was a clerical position and one was a computer. She got the clerical job first, but it lasted three months before she took another job. And Phoebe, what was that job that she took? Well, uh, it was actually for the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics, a.k.a. the NACA, which is where Dorothy Vaughn and Katherine Johnson also worked. So she started there in 1951, and that's, of course, the precursor to NASA. So she started as a computer or research mathematician in the all-black West Computing section of the Langley Memorial Aeronautical Laboratory under, of course, the lovely and adored Dorothy Vaughn, who we've also covered. So if you haven't, if this is your first episode, we've totally covered Dorothy Vaughn and Katherine Johnson. So we've mentioned in previous episodes that Catherine in the movie Hidden Figures kind of became a composite character. So some of what happened to her in the movie actually happened to one of the other gals. Um, For example, the bathroom story that happened to Catherine in the movie actually happened to Mary. So Dorothy was very good with encouraging very talented ladies, and Dorothy was the one who moved Mary from the West Computing section to the East End side. Now, this is where the bathroom story... Like, this is important in relation to the bathroom story because on the West End, there were marked bathrooms for colored. It was set up that way from the from the get-go. Right. Yeah, they were trying to, like, please Virginia, basically. Yeah. Um, d- That it was, you know, that it was marked in one area, at least. But, yeah. Right. Yeah. But on the east end where Mary Jackson actually moved to, there are no marked bathrooms, which means they're all, quote, for the white people, which is where things get complicated. So I'm actually going to be reading from the book by Margot Lee Shutterly. So when Mary got redirected, she asked, quote, can you direct me to the bathroom? Mary asked the white woman. They responded to Mary with giggles. How would they have known where to find their bathroom? The nearest bathroom was unmarked, which means it was available to any of the white women and off limits to the black women. There were certainly colored bathrooms on the east side, but with most black professionals concentrated on the west side and fewer new buildings on the east side. So Mary might need need a map to find them. Angry and humiliated, she stormed off on her own to find the way to the new restrooms. Negotiating racial boundaries was a daily fact in Negro life. Mary wasn't naive about the segregation at Langley. It was no different than anywhere else in town, yet she couldn't shake this particular incident. So Mary was raging and upset and she was running like she's getting through this idea that she worked the same she dressed her best she did she did her best but at the end of the day when it came to silly things like just simply using the restroom she was forced to be reminded that her skin color was different which has nothing to do with anything else so 
understandably, right. she was raging, and she was still fuming as she walked back into the West Computing later that day. Mary Jackson ran into Kazmierz Kaznerski, also known as Kaz, who was an assistant section head of the 4x4-foot supersonic pressure tunnel. Incidentally, he actually offered her a job, and it was to work on the supersonic pressure tunnel. And what this is, it's a wind tunnel that's used to study forces on a model by generating winds at almost twice the speed of sound. So Mary Jackson, of course, accepted this job offer. Cool. Kaz encouraged Mary to undergo training so that she could be promoted to be an engineer. Her goal was to understand airflow, including the thrust and drag forces, in order to improve United States airplanes. This is a part of the movie that they actually got right, which is exciting to see to me because it really shows her spunk and her personality and her go get em attitude. Um, but I'll leave Leah here to explain this more. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because... One of my favorite lines in the movie is that exchange between it's Carl Zelensky in the movie. That's it, based on Kaz as the real life person. Totally. Uh, but he asks, let me ask you, if you were a white male, would you wish to be an engineer? And then Mary said, I wouldn't have to. I'd already be one. That line is so powerful. <laughs> it, exactly, right? And we don't know, of course, if the real Mary said it or not. Right. But right. It, it gives you all the feels. I mean, it feels like the spirit of Mary, doesn't totally. it? <laughs> it really does. It's like, oh, snap. You better watch out now. <laughs> she knows what she's doing. <laughs> she knows what she's getting into. And she knows how it's, it would be if she was male and white which is actually mm -hmm. still relevant right now so it's very interesting i also really relate to this line because of two keywords wish and be so i spent too much time wishing to be a filmmaker when what i really should have been doing with my time was being a filmmaker totally so and that's what i think is the strongest advice that i can ever give to somebody who wishes to be something which is stop wishing and be it absolutely <laughs> so I think Mary is this wonderful role model example because of this, because she had a lot of obstacles on her road to becoming an engineer. Here's the short journey towards becoming an engineer. Four years before earning the title, there was a landmark Supreme Court decision called Brown versus Education, and it banned all segregation in public schools in the United States. Mary's home state of Virginia, however, was very slow on this inclusion. When it came to schools that the NACA used for employee extended education and the training schools where programs welcomed black NACA employees, they were the Hampton Institute, they were the George Washington University classes at Hampton Institute, Hampton Institute. It was the College of William and Mary and Newport News High School. They had night classes. So there were some available, but the Hampton High School offered University of Virginia's extension classes, and they were actually the major staple of the NACA, and it did not allow black people to attend. Wow. Now, Mary had to petition the city of Hampton for a special permit to attend a whites-only school. She had to face the school board, and I'm sure what was in extremely stressful, but Mary kept her calm, and she was given the 
the permit for her to attend. It was not open to all. She got one permit for just her to go. So now when she arrived, she assumed that the whites only school must have been some kind of wonderland. It must have had state of the art facilities. Um, it must be, you know, glowing with its cleanliness and its pristine, you know, uh, enticeability. But instead, she entered a rundown old building and it was a shock. Wow. And it was this realization that the grass isn't always greener on the other side and that racial prejudice was indeed absurd and almost comical to a certain extent of this is what you're keeping away from black students. Really? This? Yeah. <laughs> we could have a beautiful a school shock. together if we combined our resources. Yeah. Yeah. So Mary finished her classes, she became an engineer in training, and she got her official engineering title in 1958. Oh, wow. So good honor. Yeah, that's an interesting thing <laughs> yeah. that the movie did not touch on. Like, they made it look like the school was like... But they, they actually, they didn't... I think they didn't highlight it so much because it was such a, like smallish part of the movie where like they show her going into right. the school mm -hmm. but that's fascinating like you and it wasn't that. Catherine's story they focused a lot oh, yeah, on yeah, Catherine's yeah, story right. in the that's movie right. yeah mm -hmm. so that's that's fascinating wow well you have stuff on her personal life i do i have so many random things okay so mary actually made common cause with the black employees working at langley and at other places in the industry she and Katherine Johnson and many others were core members of the National Technical Association and the Professional Organization for Black Engineers and Scientists. So Mary made every effort to bring students in from Hampton's public schools and from Hampton Institute into Langley facilities for tours to get up and close and personal look at engineers at work. She organized an on-site seminar for, for career counselors at Hampton Institute so that they might better steer their students into job opportunities at Langley. If she got word that Langley was hiring a new black employee, she went out of her way to make phone calls to find him or her a place to live, just as she had done when she was secretary of the King Street USO. I love it. <laughs> I love it, too. Oh, my gosh. She cultivated allies among white women she worked with, and she did all these other things. Like, she made a point to not burn bridges. I mean, I kind of, I think that's ironic for an engineer, don't you think? Oh, oh it's an engineer. Oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Can you tell? That, Daughter of an engineer. Yeah, yeah, that one caught me by surprise, I must admit. <laughs> I did not preset her Engineers up don't burn bridges. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, we have fun. So along with this, Mary served as the chair for one of the center's annual United Way campaigns. Um, she was a Girl Scout troop leader for more than three decades. Like three, three. Oh, my gosh. And I read somewhere. That's amazing. Is that? Uh, and I think I read somewhere. I come. I, I know I read this today. I just forget where I read it. But Mary Jackson was uh being impatient with how fast um the girl scout troop was um desegregating so she made her own girl scout troop of all black girls and then instead of petitioning one at a time to get into the girl scout troop she made her own and then petitioned the state 
to allow them to combine so that there's no more, you know, push and pull for each individual that they would just automatically be combined. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So on top of that, she was a member of the National Technical Association, which is the oldest African-American technical organization in the United States. So that's pretty great. Yes. With these ladies, actually, one of my favorite things, as well as learning what they do, one of my favorite things to learn about is their personal life, like how how they interacted with their family and all that stuff. So Mary Jackson had a son, and she actually did all she could to teach him mathematics and to use his mind and to help him with stuff and even do fun things like the soapbox derby, which to me, this is really fun because I actually filmed a soapbox derby once. So I like, yeah, so I like understand the ins and outs. I got all the behind the scenes stuff. I was there the entire day. Like people explained to me the weights uh, and like now... Yes. Yeah. So now cars are are pre-built and the students can, or the kids can build them, but they have like very- Modify them. They can mostly modify them. Yeah. They don't build them from scratch. But when Mary and her son were doing Soapbox Derby, they built it from scratch, which is super cool, especially- That's awesome. Yeah. And she's an engineer, so of course, why not? I mean, it's so cool. Mm Mm-hmm. So the regulations were the car driver, t- the car and driver together must weigh less than 250 pounds. Only rubber wheels allowed. Length shall not exceed 80 inches. Road clearance must be at least three inches with the driver in the car. The total cost of the car should not exceed $10,000, exclusive of wheels and axles. Which is fascinating that they have all these different kinds of rules. Right. So I wanted to uh, like explain a little bit more what a soapbox derby is. So basically, these kids all have these um basically little cars it has a and it just has a brake it doesn't have like a gas or an engine or anything they're basically just these little shells of a car with wheels and a brake and um they all have qualifications like we just read off and um they they typically set up on the top of a hill and they're like there's two cars it's a race so there's two cars that are in exactly the same spot and their wheels are locked and then usually like a bar moves and releases both cars at exactly the same time and then the cars are released and then the kids lean over and um lean their bodies as forward as they can to create forward momentum so that they can win the race, essentially. So then there's a line at the bottom Mm -hmm. of the hill, and whoever crosses that line first wins and goes on to the next race, kind of like, um, you know... The bracket, bracket competition. Totally, Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oftentimes, like 20, 30, however many kids racing each other uh and they just keep racing until there's a first second and third place winner so then they get to the bottom of the hill they pass the line and they apply their brakes so that they can actually stop and without any hitting anything 
Um, there's very rarely any accidents unless, like, they hit the brakes and their wheels start swerving towards each other or towards um, something harmful. But that's the only, like, real... Or their brakes fail. There's that. That could happen, too. I've seen a whole bunch of mattresses at the end of it just in case, totally. too. <laughs> Hay bales, mattresses, stuff like that. Totally. Yeah. So what was unusual in this situation was Mary Jackson who's an engineer now, who knows aerodynamics, who knows how wind affects movement and affects vehicles, is now helping her son build a soapbox derby car. And, like, can you say unfair advantage? I'm just, I'm not saying they cheated. I'm just saying that, wow, like, of course he's going <laughs> <Right>. to win. <laughs> of course. Mm-hmm. My money's on that. Oh, yeah, my money's on that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> So, not only did her son bring his mom to help him with his car, but his mom kicked all the dad's butts, and that car was amazing, Um, and it surprised everybody, and um, I thought this was really adorable. He actually won the Virginia Peninsula Soapbox Derby, and Levi Jackson confided that the secret of his victory, the slimeness of his machine, which helped to lower the wind resistance. He was asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, By the Norfolk Journal, he answered, I want to be an engineer like my mother. And I thought that was like one of the highest compliments you could get from a kid or from your child. Like that was just so adorable. And it was all because of a quote silly type adventure and it was just like uh, it's just so much fun it it sounds just talking about a soapbox derby it sounds kind of boring i'm not gonna lie but when you're there and you're see- i think it's fun. It's, a, it's fun it's so fun when you're there you're seeing the kids yeah. have fun and they're just like in this like little competition and like everybody's having fun and they're all cheering for each other and you know, comparing yeah. notes. It's just, it's a lot of fun. So this was a really cool little story. They obviously still have them because you filmed obviously, them. Obviously, yeah. Um, And then they also now, what I think has kind of replaced them, which has the same spirit, is the Robotics Championships. Ooh, have you ever gone to one of those? No. They are fascinating. They're really, really cool. They build robots to complete a series of challenges in a short amount of time. Oh, my gosh. And it's schools. I, and it's fantastic. That's, if I Highly could have done that to in school, I would be. In, I would have loved school. Like, right. I used to watch, like, BattleBots right? or Junkyard Heroes on yes, TV. Yes, it's that sort of thing, but a little bit more obstacle course. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Because they do have, uh, they do have the battle ones that have to stop the other ones from doing the obstacles. Oh, so there's a I little gotcha. bit of battle bots. In that it. is so. It's like those two things combined. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. It's the best time ever. I highly recommend it. Nice. <laughs> I have to check yes. that out. Yes. Well, should we get back into her NASA time and see what she yes, was doing during the Apollo phases? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. All right. So NACA has mm-hmm. now become NASA. Totally. Uh, and Mary was in the four-foot supersonic pressure tunnel. And she was testing capsules. Um, and she was studying their readiness for supersonic speeds. Um, so like Phoebe said, her focus was on the research on how those grooves in an aircraft would affect 
air speeds and drag and turbulence. She actually authored 12 papers on the subject. Now, there were tragic moments for all of NASA, like the 1967 electrical fire that killed three astronauts of Mercury 7. But then there was also celebrations, none of them bigger than Apollo 11's landing on the moon in 1969. But in 1970, Langley announced that it was starting to lay off people. And it was canceling the supersonic transport program. Now, there was a war in Vietnam and there was social unrest in the streets. But Mary stayed in the tunnels, even though all the different names changed, different research changed. Mary even took on Fortran classes because she was worried that computer software would replace wind tunnels just like it was replacing the computer pool. Now, the four-foot tunnel did get replaced in 1977. It changed to a new nitrogen wind tunnel. That same year, Kaz retired, and Mary decided to kind of take stock of her life. She was 58. She had pretty much gone to the top of where she could as a female engineer. So when a new position for a federal women's programming manager opened, it was actually a demotion from her current level. But it was a position that was a push for advancement of all women at the center. And it was not an easy decision for Mary. So Margot writes in her book, accepting the position at the Federal Women's Program was a way of uniting 28 years of work with Langley with a lifetime commitment to equality for all. That's I so love that. cool. Isn't that neat? It kind of combined her skills. So Mary would work on that program and she would take on training and she would become an equal opportunity specialist and an affirmative action program specialist as well. She highlighted and created opportunities opportunities for women and minorities and she helped a lot of people reach for the stars and i think it's fantastic and she was awarded for that she was awarded you have about her awards yeah she was awarded for lots of things for example the apollo group achievement award in 1969 the daniels alumni award for outstanding service to disadvantaged youth um, the National Council of Negro Women Incorporated Certificate of Recognition Certificate of Recognition for Outstanding Service to the Community. And she has lots more that I'm just going to read to you because they're fantastic. So she has the Distinguished Service Award for her work with the Combined Federal Campaign representing humanitarian agencies in 1972. So in 1976, she got the Langley Research Center Volunteer of the Year Award, but before Right before that, in 1975, she got the Langley Research Center Outstanding Volunteer Award. She got a sorority award for the Peninsula Outstanding Woman Scientist in 1976. She got the King Street Community Center Outstanding Award. She got the National Technical Association's Tribute Award in 1976. She got the Hampton Roads Chapter Book of Golden Deeds for Service. And the Langley Research Center Certificate of Appreciation for 1976 through 1977. And, of course, she's featured in the movie and the book hidden figures so that's just fantastic absolutely yeah oh i love it yay well mary would retire from nasa in 1985 she continued volunteering and she took on the new role of being a grandma mary passed on peacefully in 2005 she was 83 years old her friend and co-worker gloria champagne said in her eulogy of mary quote she was a role model of the highest character 
That's adorable. I know. Isn't that so sweet? So now the question is, what legacy do you think Mary wanted to leave behind? Empowerment. 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 <laughs> that, is, that is what I think she wanted to leave behind. Empowerment. She wanted people to have the capability to do what they are good at, to do what their natural instincts are good at. Because she was always going to um, helping other black students and especially students. She was always helping to educate children and people younger so that they can grow up thinking, hey, I can reach for the stars literally and actually accomplish accomplish it even if society is telling me I technically can't. There's, She's always looking for a loophole. She was always looking for a reason to um, keep going, keep fighting, and then to pave the way for others to also do that. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this was a really hard one for me um, because between becoming the first black engineer and all of her volunteer efforts, I just, I simply come back to the sharing is caring. Um, it's totally. in Margot's book and it, it almost feels like it's overly simplistic, but it also feels like it's on the nose. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mary cared for everyone Definitely. and she opened up every door to everyone that she met. Um, she saw that, you know, she is that person who knocks down a glass ceiling um, and then gives everybody a leg up. You know what I mean? Yeah. To climb on through. Um, so you say empowerment. I say inclusion. I think they're two sides of the same coin. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So what did you learn from Mary? What are you going to take with you from Mary into your everyday? Oh, wow. I, I love how you put that because what I take away from Mary is like her ambition, her her spirit, I guess I should say, mm -hmm. because her spirit is especially, man, her spirit is so like, get up and go and I'm going to do this. It doesn't matter if it's in the books that I can't, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. So that's what I learned from her. I'm just going to solve like, the problem. Exactly. Like, yeah. Solve the problem. Exactly. And the world pushes obstacles in front of her but she sees it as an opportunity to jump over it to push it aside to do something about it and then to help other people do the same thing so I feel like yeah I in a way kind of do that every day if not for just women in general for me personally I have personal obstacles that I face every day I have obstacles of people assuming something about me because I'm a woman because I'm a small petite girl who looks like she can't do anything but I'm always like every day out to prove hey I'm not just what you see like don't base me off of what you see right. base me off of my work ethic base me off of how I feel mm -hmm. and what I'm passionate about and how I do the job if I can do the work don't treat me any different, that type of thing. So I feel like being in an industry yeah. where it's very male-driven and very, like, I'm also very young, so people judge me for that, too. I look like I'm 15, like, on a daily basis, right. and I'm 23, but still, like, I'm always, <laughs> like, 
okay, I'm not that young. I actually do have experience. And even though I'm a female, that doesn't mean I'm going to step away from doing the hard things. So Mary's empowerment or Mary's just energy and demeanor is like very inspiring to me because she just like faced Mm -hmm. that obstacle and just smashed right through it. And it seems to me like she's... She's also kind of a a lightning rod, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, definitely. She just... You can almost feed off that energy that you get from Mary and be like, yeah, I'm going to take some of that. Oh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, all right, I'm going to channel some Mary today because I kind of, I need it and I have like this thing I'm going through. Like just if I could channel Mary every single day, which I try to anyway in a weird sense, that would be super great. Like it's just like, okay, that's what I need. I need some Mary today. All right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, Leah, what did you learn from her? (laughs) Oh, man. So this was really weird because, you know, I... I had read the book. I'd seen the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I had um, studied Mary a little bit um, for a school outreach program that we do, which is Women of Science, where we cover Mary Jackson. But I didn't honestly not draw this conclusion until I was going over the notes for this episode. And I was thinking about, you know, what did I learn? So Mary went from not wishing to be an engineer, but to being one, right? She encouraged more women and black men to follow suit, to be something, not just wish for something. Totally, yeah. Um, and then she also took a job to empower women. And I started Absolutely. to think, ooh, this is kind of starting to sound familiar. Oh, yeah, that completely <laughs> so, sounds familiar. Hmm, I wonder who else right? does that. <laughs> yeah, because I I became a filmmaker and I encouraged others, mostly women, because I saw how few of them there were and I wanted to hire them um, and I wanted to see more work by women. But when I reached what I felt like was the top for me personally of my own striving you know, goals that I had, I started Gals Guide to empower more women, no matter what their career goals were. The ironic thing is uh, my father-in-law joked that I was taking a step backwards going from filmmaking to nonprofit. And I'm pretty sure Mary probably also worried about the same thing. But sometimes those dot points of experiences in your life, they don't connect in a straight line. Sometimes you need to explore one area to strengthen that natural born ability in another area. And I think Mary is a true role model for me. And I just... I love her deeply. She gave me all the feels that during, so uh, awesome. you know, these weeks of research. Yeah, and I love her. Yeah, that is incredible. <laughs> yeah. Wow. We both yeah. really, that's I, really I didn't cool. expect it. <laughs> Oftentimes, we come to very similar conclusions. Mm-hmm. But they're still but personal. Like They're still super feel like personal. They're an essence of, oh, yeah. You know, I feel like this one yes. was more personal than it was similar, if that makes sense. It's like... We completely right. feel oh, yeah, deeply absolutely. about her and she's inspiring to both of us, but it's like in two different ways, which is really awesome. Right. Awesome. Well, do you have any final thoughts about Mary? I do not have final thoughts about Mary, but I do have a final thought of, I just wanted to mention again how excited I would be if one of our listeners um, told us what they learned from one of our gals. Like, that would just make my entire year to hear that. So I just wanted to shout that out again. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I love it. 
Well, that wraps it up for us. Next week, we are going to conclude the real life gals with our epilogue. So I love these prologues and epilogues where we will be comparing and contrasting Dorothy, Catherine, and Mary, as well as looking at the big picture of what life lessons we can take from these gals and bring into our own lives. So until then, we leave you with this quote from Mary Jackson. I have always liked math, and I originally came to work at NASA as a research mathematician. I was invited to become an engineer in training through a special program, and I have been an aerospace engineer ever since. For more information about this week's GAL, or to check out our previous episodes, visit galsguide.org. To support the show, visit the GALS Guide Patreon page. We love our patrons and offer exclusive perks and behind-the-scenes access for as little as $1 a month. Thank you so much for subscribing to Your Gal Friday.